Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. Thanks for joining us today on The Chosen People. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter, the Regional Director of our New York area, and also he is one of the pastors at Beth Sar Shalom, the House of the Prince of Peace, Brooklyn. Uh, so, Bobby, a kind of a pointed question, uh, because we're going to be talking today, our program is going to be all about the Word of God in the Old Testament. So we believe that we have two testaments, mm-hmm. the Old and the New, right? and both are inerrant. Theonustos, the Greek word, is used, God-breathed. Right. And we believe that both the Old and the New Testament are God-breathed documents. They're written through human hands, but they are God-breathed and inerrant, perfect in all that they say. That means the Word of God comes with power. It's like a a piercing sword that divides between soul and spirit, according to the writer of Hebrews. And so when you're reaching out to a Jewish person, do you think it's a good idea to use the Old Testament or the New Testament? (laughs) Which one's better? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, in my experience, and I think in the experience of uh, many of our staff with Chosen People Ministries, it's always best to sort of meet people where they are. And uh, when it comes to Jewish people, even the more, you know, secular, agnostic types, if they're going to look at Scripture and view something as being legitimate, in their view, it would be the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. So usually that's where we begin. When we have a, a Jewish person who's actually interested in talking about and looking at the Bible, we'll usually begin looking in the Old Testament because it's so familiar, because it's accepted, because it's it's safe for them. Right. And And there's just such a clear path to Jesus going through Old Testament prophecy, beginning maybe even with Genesis 3.15, with the smashing of the snake's head and the bruising of the the heel of the future Redeemer. And uh, many of our listeners, I'm sure, are aware of these prophecies. But did you use some Old Testament prophecies with this Jewish guy who came to faith? Yeah. Oh, did we? Yeah. I mean, of course. Uh, th- oh, wow. I think we, we spent quite a bit of time talking about passages like Isaiah 9, uh, verses 6 and 7, mm. and also, of course, Isaiah 53. I mean, uh, Mitch, you're familiar with that passage. Is that right? Yes. I, r- yeah. I wrote a very basic book on that. And uh, if you want that book, you can go to our website for the radio program. Chosenpeople.com slash radio. We've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks on Psalms, Psalm 130, Psalm 23. Well, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 119. Mm. It's the longest Psalm in the Bible, mm-hmm. and it's all about David's heart and David's love for the Word of God. He loves the statutes, the commandments, the promises, you name it, whatever, what, however he views the Word of God. David loves the Word of God. It's a light until our path. And, you know, I always tell people there'd be no New Testament without an Old Testament. <laughs> right, right. Uh, common sense. But it, it makes a pretty good point because the New Testament is as, of course, as inspired as the Old Testament. And uh, the Old Testament is such a gift because it really 
spells out the bedrock principles on how the Jewish people and even how we as Christians should live in this day and age. And there's wonderful, wonderful principles. It's not just filled with dry laws that are oppressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Old Testament is filled with grace and filled with uh, God's love. In fact, a quick verse, one of my favorite verses from 2 Timothy 3.16, which a lot of people know, but if you've got your Bible and you're listening to this radio show, just pull it out real quick so that you can check me on the details here. This is from the New American Standard. All scripture, the Greek word graphe, which was a direct reference to the Old Testament, all scripture is inspired by God. Again, theonoustos, God breathed. If you want to know why they use that word in the New Testament, why Paul used it, put your hand in front of your mouth and talk and you will feel your breath on your hand. It is God-breathed, God-breathed, and it's profitable for teaching or doctrine, for reproof, for telling you what's wrong, for correction, telling you what's right, and then for training in righteousness so that you can live a holy life. And I'm telling you, if more Christians read the Old Testament scriptures, we would be living a much holier life because it speaks to so many different important aspects of our lives. And it deals with some of the hard issues of uh, sexual morality and issues related to gender and issues related to fairness, issues related to justice, issues related to, to generosity. I mean, the Old Testament is just filled with these wonderful principles that we are free as Christians because Jesus made us free. We are free to, one way or another, apply the Old Testament to our everyday life. And the more we do that, I think the better we are. And we should include the Old Testament in our Bible reading. Uh, Don't you think, Bobby? And and of course, in the preaching of the church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Mitch, you know that I'm uh, probably biased when it comes to this, but... um, (laughs) I, I think to uh, for believers, yeah, I mean, it is the word of God. It is God breathed. This is uh, when when Paul wrote those words to Timothy, there was no codified New Testament yet. He was referring to primarily the Old Testament, and of course, it applies to the New Testament. But still, this is like you mentioned. There's so much that we as followers of Jesus today can glean from and look to the Old Testament to sort of shore up our faith. I mean, we, we learn, like you mentioned, we learn about uh, loving our neighbor as ourself. We learn about uh, morality and what is right, what is wrong. But also, honestly, we learn about such themes as repentance and forgiveness. Our need for the Messiah, our need for redemption, for cleansing, for forgiveness of our sins. And it really, it laid the foundation for the New Testament. How would we ever know what sin is, Bobby, if we didn't have the Old Testament? Exactly. Exactly. Sin in our hearts and sin even in society. There's so much in these 39 books of the Old Testament to understand and to apply to our lives. And I personally think that this is one of the ministries that chosen people can have to our brothers and sisters today. We are, when you think about us, think about the Old Testament. It's okay if you think of the new also, but (laughs) but think of the Old Testament. We encourage you to delve 
deeply into the Old Testament, and I hope that you'll take the time to read it, maybe read through the entirety of the Hebrew Scriptures, give yourself a year or so, and to try and better understand this divinely inspired book, which is really not only for the Jewish people, of course, but it's for the Gentiles, especially those who love Jesus as the Messiah. It was the only Bible Jesus ever had. Shalom, dear friend, in the name of Jesus the Messiah. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. And I just want to take a moment of your time to give you some prayer requests. I just want to share some prayer requests. Number one is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for Jewish people in Israel, Jewish people outside of Israel, Israelis. We're praying for all who live in Israel. Jerusalem is a symbol for the nation of Israel. And by the way, that would include Gaza, because when God gave the land to the Jewish people in the book of uh, Joshua, we learn that Gaza and many other passages, that Gaza is part of the land of Israel. And so let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray for all of Israel that the Prince of Peace might, first of all, reign in the hearts of individuals who come to know Jesus as their Messiah. And secondly, by some miracle, peace can be made and, and war and death uh, can, can stop. Please pray for the staff of Chosen People Ministries. A number of our people have been called up. Kids of our staff have been called up and they're serving uh, in, in infantry. Pray that they have a ministry to their fellow soldiers. Uh, pray that God would spare. Uh, soldiers and that God would spare innocent uh, non-combatants who are Palestinians and Israelis. So pray for the staff. We're feeding the hungry. We're feeding those who have been displaced. Probably between one and 200,000 Israelis have had to leave their homes because they're too close to the border. And so let's pray for our staff because it's about 30 of us and lots of volunteers and we are working hard to provide food and clothing and stuff for, for babies and uh, and all sorts of things. So we really need your prayers for that. And then third, please pray uh, for the leaders of these two entities, the nation of Israel and Hamas. Uh, I personally do pray that God will act, in just, be, act justly and that uh, Hamas will be uh, deconstructed so that they're no longer a threat to Israel and the Jewish people and their own people. Uh, I don't consider Hamas to represent all Palestinians, or however means God sees possible. I pray that they will be stopped. They need to be stopped. Uh, they are pure evil, and they need to be stopped. And then pray for uh, Netanyahu, and pray for the new unity uh, government, and for the war cabinet. Pray that they have wisdom. I know that the Israelis do not want to hurt non-combatants. I know that. That's it. Would be. It would be something that they would dread, but things are going to happen, and we really need to pray that they have wisdom and pray for precision. Just one last thing. Please pray for the hostages. My heart breaks so heavily because of the hostages. Young kids, babies, mothers, they've been taken to, uh, to Gaza, and God only knows where they are. And so please pray uh, that uh, God would have mercy on the hostages and that uh, they would be found and they would be saved. I just thank you so much for caring about what's happening in Israel today because it does affect uh, the Jewish people. It affects every Christian. 
who is linked into that olive tree, who identifies with the children of Israel. So please pray that God will end this very quickly and that uh, we can go on to the rebuilding phase, which, we're, which, which will surely come. So thank you so much for taking a moment of your time and thank you for standing with Israel and the Jewish people. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Here at Chosen People Ministries, we hear from a lot of Jewish people who have found the Messiah. And right now, we'd like to share one of those stories with you. I was raised in New York City uh, into a Jewish family. We attended a synagogue on the High Holy Days. I had family members that attended synagogue every Friday, every Shabbat. And um, in my home, even though we celebrated the holidays, it was uh, really more an understanding that the stories behind the holidays were fairy tales. And the thing that really did make a difference in my life is my mom taught me a prayer when I was a toddler. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. And when my mom taught me that prayer as a little girl, I really knew there was a God. And that stayed with me and it carried me all through my childhood, my teenage years. I knew that when I prayed that prayer, that there was a God up there that heard me. My mom and dad loved me very, very much. I always, always knew that. Uh, but I was also raised in a home where there was a lot of tension. From the time I was a little girl, I lived with the threat of divorce hanging over my head. Sometimes my parents didn't talk to each other for days and I was the messenger between them. My, um, there were a lot of fractured relationships. My mother and my grandmother uh, hated each other. My mother and my brother uh, didn't like each other. And, and I grew up with that, that just a, a feeling of insecurity. By the time I got into college, I was a very, very angry, rebellious young woman. I did um, dropped LSD, smoked pot. I lied a lot of times to cover up my wrongdoing, keep from getting caught. And I loved to shock people by the way that I looked, the way that I dressed. I loved the attention. So even at 19 years old and in college, I was still praying that prayer that my mom taught me as a toddler. And that led me to really, really search to find out who is this God. And that took me down the road of learning about Hinduism, Buddhism, transcendental meditation. I worshiped a guru in India, I chanted and just searching in all of these places. And it was about that time in my life that I met Michael, also Jewish. And um, we had a talk one day and talked about our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our thoughts about God. And we were just amazed at the end of this three-hour conversation that we were so alike. And we both knew after that one talk that we were soulmates, kindred spirits. Well, a month later, Michael came to me and he told me that he believed in Jesus. And um, I was devastated because I thought, oh my gosh, a Jesus freak, this is no good. I mean, after all, I was raised in a home where, where Jesus was never mentioned. In fact, if we said his name, it was like saying the worst profanity and we'd get our mouth washed out with soap. I was raised in a home where, you know, my mom was taught when she was a child that it was all Jesus's fault that Jews had been murdered and persecuted throughout the ages and that Hitler was a Christian. And this was just horrible news for me because um, I, I knew I couldn't embrace what he did. 
I couldn't deny the change that I had seen in Michael's life just in this one short month, but I was not at all interested in hearing what he had to say about Jesus. But then one day he came to me and he said, Deb, would you mind if I just read something aloud to you from the New Testament? And I thought, okay. Now you gotta understand, here I was 20 years old, raised in New York City, and never once had I heard or read anything from the New Testament in my whole life. And um, I had no idea that Jesus was Jewish. I had no idea that he claimed to be the Messiah that my Jewish people were waiting for all of these years. Um, in fact, I thought Jesus was Catholic. I grew up near a Catholic church and there he was on a cross and I thought he was Catholic. But I said, sure, you can read to me aloud. So um, uh, he opened up to the John chapter eight, uh, the story of the Pharisees bringing the adulterous woman to Jesus. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in, her in his midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? And as he's reading this to me, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I had no idea how this story was gonna end. And as they were saying this, testing him, in order that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. When Michael read that line to me that Jesus spoke, something in me opened up and I just started to weep. Now I had read about Buddha and Krishna and all of these other gods out there, but when he spoke these words of Jesus, I knew it was a miracle. It was like God opened my eyes and I saw that this Jesus was different than all the other gods that I had learned about. That this had to be the very, very words of God. In that one verse, all the love and the compassion and the mercy of God was encapsulated in that, and I just started to cry. So though my eyes were open, um, I immediately was filled with tremendous conflict. How could I, as a Jew, embrace this Jesus? And I remember just closing my eyes and praying and saying, God, if Jesus really is the Messiah, you are really gonna have to prove it to me because I knew the stakes for me were gonna be very, very high. And though I'd been angry and rebellious, there was still a part of me I did not want to devastate my parents and my whole family. And I knew that God really, really had to prove to me that I was going down the right path. So the very next day, I was invited to this meeting and sitting in front of me was a little boy, about five years old, with his mom. And the man leading the meeting asked um, if anyone needed prayer. And the mom raised her hand and um, she said her little boy was deaf in his right ear. So the man came up to this little boy and laid his hand on his ear and um, just simply prayed for healing in the name of Jesus for this little boy to get his hearing. And right there in front of my very eyes, I saw this little boy get his hearing. And when I saw that and that it was done in the name of Jesus, that's all I needed. Well, a week later, I got up the courage to call my mom to tell her the news that I believed in Jesus. And um, it was a difficult conversation. My mom was devastated. She was furious and really, really disappointed at me and very, very much um, 
hated Michael because she knew that even though he was Jewish, he was the one that was responsible for introducing me to Jesus. So it was a very, very difficult conversation and she wound up making an appointment uh, with a rabbi for Michael and I to go see him in hopes that the rabbi would be able to persuade us to not believe in Jesus anymore. And uh, the result of that meeting with the rabbi, um, he said to my mom afterwards that he believed that we were on the verge of having nervous breakdowns, that we were in a cult, and that we were potential Nazis, which just added to my mom's devastation because if a rabbi said it, it had to be true. And um, it was really, a, really very, very devastating for her. Well, three months later, Michael and I were married, and sadly, our parents would not attend our wedding because we had a pastor marry us. But shortly after we got married, we were living on the other side of the country, and shortly after we got married, I, I called my mom, and I wanted to encourage her because um, I was so happy. And I called to tell her how wonderful Michael was, how he was loving me, he was treating me like a princess, in hopes that it would make her feel better. And instead, she said something like, um, why don't you just divorce him and come back home and live with me? And when she said that to me, I was so angry at her, I just slammed the phone down. And I went to Michael and I was so angry, I was shaking. And I said, do you know what my mom just said to me? She hates you, she hates our marriage. I don't want her in our lives. She's not good for us. I'm just, I don't want anything to do with her anymore. She hates you and she hates our marriage. And um, he listened to me and he said, Deb, you call your mom back and you apologize for hanging up. We are going to love your mom. We are gonna love her. Now you call her and apologize. Well, God had a big cleanup job to do with us. We were, uh, you know, being two drug-using hippies and he taught us how to be responsible, which was no easy task for two very irresponsible hippies. And over the years, we, um, we had two children and raised them to know the Lord. We started a business and have lived um, a very, very, in a very, very, had a very happy home and a good, a good family. Everything I always wanted as a, as a little girl in my home, God has blessed me with in my own family. And our children are now married and serving God and we have um, grandchildren who we adore. And the best part about this thing, this story, is that my mom, who at one time years ago hated Michael, now Michael is probably next to my son is her most favorite man walking on the face of the earth. And I know that it's a result of the years of just loving her very, very much, and God has blessed that. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you're enjoying these programs as much as we are. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can inspire and encourage a Jewish family member or a Jewish friend this year, then be sure to stop by our online store and discover all the resources that we have available for you today. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com radio. And while you're there, ask for your copy of our booklet, Sharing Jesus in a Jewish Way. It's yours free of charge just for connecting with us. That's right, our listening family can get this book for free online by visiting chosenpeople.com slash radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or request your free book. You're going to like this book. This is really worth getting. 888-293-7482. Call 888-293-7482.
And if you prefer, you can request the booklet, Sharing Jesus in a Jewish Way, in the mail by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. And when you reach out today, don't forget to let us know where and how you're listening to this program. Now, let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.